right. Welcome, everybody, to the fall meeting of the BBB, Breaking Blindness Barriers Group. We are a discussion group that meets, uh, we're scheduled to meet quarterly, but occasionally also have bonus meetings in between. So this is our scheduled fall meeting. Uh, Today is October 16th, 2021. So uh, welcome to Breaking Blindness Barriers. Breaking Blindness Barriers is a group of people that comes together to discuss strategies and techniques that we have found to get rid of those pesky barriers that get in the way of us as blind people from living normal, productive, independent, and fulfilling lives. So we do that by discussing various topics. They don't necessarily all have to be tech Related, although this is a heavily tech-centered group, so more often than not, you'll hear technology being discussed. But we will also uh, be open to things that are no-tech or low-tech. So it's all about finding what works, the tools that you keep in your toolbox to stay powerful, strong, and independent every day. If anybody is interested in learning more about this group or becoming involved, especially if you live in the Southern California, Los Angeles area or the Cape Coral, Fort Myers area of Southwest Florida, you can reach me via my website, www.techjv.com. That's www.techjv.com. J as in John, V as in Victor.com. And there you can either email me, uh, help at techjv.com or call me by phone 818-794-9554. And I'd be happy to talk to you about this group. Meetings, uh, are free, meaning that, uh, we don't charge anybody to become, uh, involved in this group to participate in its meetings or to hear its recordings. However, there are costs associated with keeping this stuff going, uh, primarily uh, paying for Zoom every year to, to, to have it available to us for the use of these meetings. So if anybody has the ability to and wants to help offset in those expenses, you're certainly welcome to do so by going to www.techjv.com. And all the way at the bottom of the page, there is a donations link. So again, if you're able to and want to, it is certainly welcome, but it is not required. These meetings are free. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get to the point of this month's meeting, and that is to talk about travel strategies. As we know, especially over the last year and a half or more, we've been locked down in some way, shape, or form as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And for some, that means that uh, we didn't get out very much. We mostly stayed close to home uh, and stopped doing fun things such as traveling. For others of us, well, we continue to travel either because we had to or we just chose to take that risk in our lives. So um, I figure that those of us who have been involved in travel and want to share tips with others, uh, this is a good uh, way to start a conversation and uh, get some information across to people. I happen to be one of those people that uh, continued to travel even through the pandemic. I, I used precautions and stuff. But in the end, I felt that it was important for me to still see my family and do things that I needed to do. So I did not stop traveling. And I'm glad I didn't. But I understand that some people, it was a, uh, you have different health concerns or, or situations. So it's not a matter of uh, 
whether it was right or wrong. It's just a matter of a personal choice. So I'm going to share some of my travel strategies with all of you and then open the floor to hopefully have uh, the rest of you who have traveled uh, share yours. Or if you have questions, ask them and either I or other people in our group will help give you some helpful and useful information. So uh, since the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, some things have changed, some things have not. One thing that is still current, uh, even though we've started to kind of open up a little bit more and uh, they've started to uh, loosen some restrictions as far as places you can travel to and from, the masks are still very much a required thing at all federal transportation facilities, which includes airports. So it means that if you go to the airport or plan to fly on planes, you have to be prepared to wear a face mask. So, you know, tight and uh, snug across your face is the way to wear it. They want you doing that, except, of course, when you're going to eat. They uh, let you take it off or partially remove it to eat. Some airlines I hear are stricter than others. Some expect you to actually put it on between bites. So you might want to find out what your airline's policy is on that. But for the time being, and I think at least through the end of this year, even through early next year, I think I heard that they recently extended that restriction is very much still in effect. Um, now let's talk about vaccination and proof of vaccination. Um, there are some places, as we're hearing more more about in the news, are starting to require that you prove that you are uh, vaccinated against COVID-19. And this is presented by either a vaccine card that you got at the time that you got your uh, vaccinations, or we're starting to see the availability now of electronic records available. I personally have both. And I think it's it's a good thing to have. If you're going to travel, uh, you should bring both with you. The nice thing is that now they can be saved in Apple Wallet or Google Pay. So if you go to your state or county's website that has your records, you should now be able to download it in a form and save it to either your Apple Wallet on your phone or your Google Pay, presuming that you are running the, the later versions of the respective operating systems. In California, there is a website that you can go to, and I could sit there and name it out, but I think it's a bunch of gobbledygook. The better way to do it is to go to Google and just type in Vaccine Record California. So if you type in those three words, vaccine record California, you will be taken to the state's health website. And there you should find the links to download your electronic vaccination record. So again, once you have that downloaded, you can save it to your respective phone's wallet app and have it there to present if you're ever asked to present it. Right now, for U.S. travel, it is not required that you show proof of vaccination or uh, or negative vaccine or negative COVID-19 test. But I say yet because you never know. Uh, it does seem that uh, we're starting to see a, a trend toward that direction. So if I were you, I think, and especially if you're thinking about traveling sometime in the near future, you might want to take the time to either locate that vaccine card, keep it handy, or go to the California State uh, health record website and download your electronic vaccination record 
and store it to your device so that you have it there in case it's ever required of you. For international travel is a different story. It is for a lot of international travel. It is required. Some countries definitely require it. I believe that we require it for people who are coming here, whether you're a returning citizen or a tourist, uh, you have to show either proof of vaccination and it has to be a vaccine that's been approved by either uh, our agencies as well as uh, the country's uh, agencies. So you will want to look into the specifics depending on the country, but you, uh, you, you will probably more than likely have to show some sort of proof of vaccination record or negative COVID-19 test. And it has to be within a certain amount of time before travel, sometimes like, like 72 hours or less before you travel, you have to have a, have taken a COVID test and the, the result had to have been negative. Now, there are things that you can do to reduce stress and hassle. And that's really what I'm all about when I'm traveling. I like to make it as smooth as an experience as I can. Sometimes I'm very successful. Sometimes I'm marginally successful. But in general, that's the goal. And there's a lot of things you can do ahead of time to kind of help you out with this. My instructions are mostly going to be focused on air travel because that's really what I've been doing a lot of the most of really in the last year and a half. So I, uh, and I think that's really where a lot of this preparation is really required. Other stuff, the rules seem to be a little more relaxed. Nevertheless, some of this stuff will come in handy for any mode of travel that you choose to use. I would say that if possible, you should pre-print your boarding pass and travel documents the day before. Airlines will usually let you check in electronically into your flight at least 24 hours before the time of the flight. So I always like to do that whenever I can, just because A, it lets them know that, yes, I do plan on traveling, save my seat. <laughs> and B, uh, it lets me print out something that I could hand to somebody when I'm going through uh, checkpoints in the airports and such. Now, you might ask, well, I heard you can do this on your phone. And yes, you can. And I actually have tried this before. But I find that for me anyway, using the phone added a little more complication to the mix. And it also sort of took it away from one of the travel tools I'm going to recommend here a little uh, bit further in the process. So I'd say that whenever possible, if you can print out the pass on paper, it's better. You know, if nothing else, if you drop a piece of paper, what happens? You drop the piece of paper. If you're hassling with a bunch of stuff, a cane, a dog, a bag, or things like that, and you accidentally lose your grip on your phone because you're wanting to have it ready for somebody to scan the boarding pass through, you might drop it, and uh, if it falls the wrong way, boy, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So, you know what? It's just best if you can to print it on good old-fashioned paper. I find that I, uh, again, worry a lot less about things going wrong if I do it that way. But if you do have your phone, it's very important to monitor your notifications, especially your text messages. I tend to have the app of the airline installed in my phone so that, uh, and I'm registered in with their uh, program so that that way, if there's any change in my flight, like a change of time, a change of gate or things like that, I will get a notification through either the app or I also give my phone number as a contact reference. So, 
they'll either try to reach me through the app or through a text message via the phone, or you can even request the phone call too. But I always like text because it's uh, less uh, interaction that I have to do. It's a good idea to keep your passes and your ID together. So either your state ID or your passport. Uh, the day before, I like to put those in the same place, in the same pocket of the bag that I'm traveling with. So that way, the morning of, I'm not having to think about it or, or hunt it down. I've already put it in there, and I know that when it comes time, I can just reach into that one pocket, and everything I'm going to need to hand a TSA agent or a ticket uh, or someone at a ticket counter is all right there in that pocket, just ready to go. If possible, I'm a big believer in traveling carry-on as opposed to check bags. Now, I realize that some people have to travel with more stuff, more clothes, etc. Uh, so for some people, this may not be possible. But for me, I always try to, as best as I can, to go carry-on because there's just one less thing to worry about. And I use a carry-on bag that's already measured to be the exact same size as what is allowed to go in a carry-on, you know, or an overhead bin or underneath a seat. So, and I like the hard-sided bag I, um, as opposed to a, just a fully uh, flexible uh, type of bag because that way you know for sure that what you put in there is more than likely not going to keep it from fitting in where it needs to fit because the last thing you want to deal with is having to, to gate check your bag <laughs> once you're on a plane because it didn't fit in the overhead or somebody at the gate looks at it and says, oh, that's not going on the plane. That's not going to fit. Now we have the gate check you. Uh, avoiding check-in is a good thing because sometimes bags can get lost. Or, you know, sometimes that means you have to, if you're going to request assistance, that's an, that's extra help you got to wait and ask for. So to me, I, I want to eliminate as much of that hassle as possible. So I go to carry on. You should give yourself plenty of time at the airport. So they say for uh, domestic travel, I think it used to be like one hour, but I've heard in some cases they tell you in some airports to do two hours or three hours for international. So I tend to go by that rule. I, I plan to, to be at an airport at least two to three hours ahead of the time that I'm flying because you just never know when something's going to go wrong. And the last thing you want to do is be in a rush trying to speed through all this stuff and <laughs> possibly missing your flight. So I always give myself ample time uh, to arrive at the airport and for things to go wrong. And more often than not, they don't. And I end up with a lot of time to kill. But, okay, that's what my mobile phone is for. I can uh, get on apps. I can uh, check my email. I can do lots of other things uh, with that time and in a relaxed posture. So how to get assistance at the airport if you choose to do that. Uh, one thing you can do if you're a user of IRA, uh, either a subscriber or if you're a guest user and you just have their app on their phone and, and you set it up with your contact info, you set up an account with them, which I highly recommend doing, even if you don't want to subscribe. It's good to have a tool in the toolbox. So at, at uh, many airports, they have what are called free access locations, which means that the airport or the municipality where the airport uh, lives has paid IRA to allow anybody who's using the app free access to their service. And this comes in really handy. I've used it in various ways. I've used it even just from the time I walk in the door. And the way I do it is I have a pouch that I wear around my neck 
and I stick the phone into that pouch with the camera, the back camera of the phone facing forward. And then that way I, I bring up the IRA agent, make the connection. I'm listening to them on a Bluetooth earpiece. And now they're basically my eyes and they're guiding me through the airport. And I, I've done it all the way through uh, to getting security, going through security, getting to the gate, finding a seat, uh, looking for something to eat if I'm there early enough and if I'm hungry, finding restrooms, what have you. It's a, a really handy dandy thing to have. And sometimes it, it, it's better than waiting around to get help at the airport. It can also help you get a lift ride. So like when you arrive at your destination, uh, I've done this too, where I go outside and I say, okay, I want to get a lift. So uh, I've, I've tied in my lift credentials with the IRA app. You can do this all in the settings. And that way the agent can bring up my account and I tell them where I want to go and they can uh, request the ride for me. They can also see where the vehicle is on the map. You know, all the stuff that sighted people get to see that we don't get to have access to when we do it ourselves. Uh, it's really nice when the IRA agent can do that. And basically, they can watch that as well as look through your camera and find the car. When it notifies us that the vehicle arrived, instead of you wondering, well, where is it? Uh, I don't know. I can't see. I, I, I can't see a blue uh, uh Chevy something or another, um, the agent can look for that and especially look for the license plate number because that's all provided. So it's a handy tool to have, even again, if you're don't, if you're not going to use the service a lot for other things, it can come in really handy for this task. If you don't want to use IRA and you prefer the good old fashioned assistance from the airport, that's reliable and usable as well. Uh, it's just that sometimes during busy times, it could take a little longer to get that assistance. So uh, again, this is why it's good to give yourself ample time so that you can do it. So what, as soon as you walk in the place, you want to try to find an employee as soon as possible. Uh, if in most cases, that means working your way to the counter. In other cases, a lot of times they see you and they come to you and say, Hey, would you like some assistance? And you say, yes, I would. And they'll take you somewhere because more often than not, that person's on other tasks, but they'll take you to where you can get the assistance and there you can wait and they'll provide somebody for you and they'll walk you through the whole process, including getting you to the gate. TSA, I'm told, also offers assistance with advance notice. That's one method I've not tried yet, but maybe if some of you have tried that at some point, maybe you could have a discussion about that. But that is there. If you contact TSA, I think if you go to tsa.gov is their website, there's a phone number there you can find, and there's probably a way to request it online as well. But uh, that's another option. And the thing to remember is when you're at the airport, remember to relax, take a deep breath, smile, and you want to be as easygoing as possible, which is, again, why I say pre-planning is helpful, showing up early is great, because the less things you're stressed out about, the uh, the more pleasant the experience is, and the less likely that you're going to snap at somebody who's trying to help you. And if you get somebody uh, who's also having a bad day and you snap at them because you're stressed out, that could make it a lot harder of an experience. So uh, just remember those few little things to, to try to be relaxed and as pleasant as possible. And that, generally speaking, uh, leads to a smoother experience. But at the same time, don't be afraid to speak up and be assertive when, when it's necessary. There are times, for example, they'll say, okay, wait here, we'll get you somebody. And I usually like to say, do you know how long it might be? 
And that way they say, yeah, it might be 10 minutes. So I know I'll wait 10 minutes. I'll watch the clock. And when 10 minutes has come and gone and nobody's come yet, uh, there's a desk nearby. I will make a point of trying to make my way back up there and say, Hey, you know, um, uh, I haven't, no one's come yet. Is somebody coming or, you know, what's going on? And that way it kind of reminds them and lets them know, Hey, you're still here and you have not been attended to. So, uh, don't be afraid to speak up because the last thing you want to do is miss your flight. And if sometimes you sit there and, and don't say anything, if you're, if you're too easy going to the point that they forget you, <laughs> that's not good either. So a balanced approach is always best. And yes, this, the, uh, this, Discussion comes up every now and then in groups of blind people. It's a pre-board or not to pre-board. I say, yes, it's okay to pre-board if the, the airlines offer that accommodation. And there are times that it, uh, it is a very helpful thing to have. Um, especially when you're flying things like Southwest Airlines where, uh, it's of open seating. You kind of want to do your best to get to a place where you have a best chance of getting the seat that you'd like or the part of the plane you'd like to be in. And also to have overhead bin space open above you if you're going to go carry on like I do. Because the later you get on that plane, the harder it's going to be to, to uh, get that combination to work for you. So if you get on there really late, uh, you know, if you're in group C <laughs> when they're when they're doing their lines, by the time you get on that plane, uh, all the aisle seats are going to be taken for sure. A lot of the overhead bin spaces is going to be spoken for so you may be sitting on one part of the plane and your bag may be somewhere further back behind you which means that now when it's time to get off that plane if you want to do it yourself you're going to have uh, to hunt down where that bag went so uh, use the accommodations that are provided it's perfectly okay in, in my opinion respectable to use accommodations that are offered because let's face it we are at a bit of a disadvantage and anything we can do to to tilt that uh, balance a little bit more in our favor especially if it's something that already exists and is there for a reason make use of it so that's kind of more or less my strategies for traveling especially uh, at the airport i'm going to go ahead and open up the floor now and that way if anybody either has a question or maybe wants to share some travel tip or trick that they find works, uh, let's get that discussion going. So, again, if, un if you unmute yourself, say your name and wait for me to call your name. Nancy. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, everyone. Um, so I, um, I have a couple of things. Uh, the first, um, Julian, you mentioned the TSA assistance. Um, Johnny and I have used that. And I just wanted to share a little bit of our experience with it. Um, you actually have to, well, they, TSA recommends that you call them at least 72, 72 hours in advance, uh, you know, prior to your trip to let them know that, you know, you are going to require this type of assistance. I think it's called TSA, TSA cares or something like that. Um, the name of the program. Um, and what happens is you have to let them know all like the information in your itinerary, what time you're planning to be at the airport. And then sometimes they will call you um, maybe a day before or if they don't call you when you go when you get to TSA, you can um, let the person know or any of the agents, the TSA agents that you have requested this assistance. So when uh, we used it, they didn't call us um, 
So we had to ask for the person, but it was actually a very good experience. Um, what they do is, it, it, um, I just wanted to clarify that it doesn't mean that they uh, you won't have to go through the you know metal detector or anything like that. But basically, um, the people or the person that comes to assist you, they are more trained in helping people with disabilities get through the um, uh, the 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 security point. And so uh, one of the things that um, it was very helpful is that, you know, the agent was very patient. They knew what they were doing. Um, I think we all know, like when you're a guide dog user, a lot of times uh, the TSA agents don't really know what to do. And with, in this case, our experience, I mean, it was very smooth. We were in and out of the TSA point, I want to say within five to 10 minutes. It was just very smooth. And um, I, I definitely recommend it, um, if especially if, you know, you're kind of nervous about it. Uh, they're usually very helpful. So um, I just wanted to share that experience. And also, uh, I wanted to ask, Julian, you mentioned that pouch that you use for your phone with um, to, to use it with Ira. Where can we get something like that? Like, did you buy it somewhere? Like, um, you know, like any of the independence market things or where can we get something like that? Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for, uh, for those questions and for, and for that, uh, information. Wow. That's, that's very encouraging to hear that the TSA uh, assistance uh, is that good. Um, one question I'm, I'm going to ask you, but first I'm going to, I'll answer your question about the, uh, the pouch. I bought my pouch from a local vendor here. They're called Marquez Products for Independent Living. Um, I don't have their website or contact info. Sometimes they are, they show up at meetings or, or at conventions or things like that and have a booth there. And that's generally how, uh, how I buy, I bought some of their stuff. And this pouch originally is made, it, it's a pouch that has a, a window, like a clear plastic window on the front of it. So I think its intended purpose is uh, if you have a, 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 like a work, ID badge or something like that, or a bus pass, something that you're going to want to have visible uh, for uh, any given time and not have to fish in your pocket to dig out. That's what it's meant for. And then it's got another compartment for you to stick in other things like maybe a credit card or two or a little something else you might need in there. So I just sort of repurposed it <laughs> uh, for this uh, for this use. I took my iPhone with me because he had several of these different size pouches. So I found the one that that matched best with the phone that I use, and I just stick it in there. I think it had a flap that went over the top that normally would cover that little compartment with the for putting extra cards and things. I uh, I found that that got in the way, so I actually just got a uh, a knife and I cut that flap off. And now it works perfectly for this. The phone fits nice and snug in there. It goes around my neck, so I'm not worried about it falling around or becoming damaged. Uh, so you might want to check. I think there's a company, too. I think they uh, called the Harbold Company, and, and I don't know how it's spelled. Hopefully, maybe uh, somebody else here knows a little bit more about that and can fill in that blank for us. But they, they make a, uh, a similar thing I've seen. It's made of rubber. It's basically the same idea, and I think it's meant more for this actual purpose. 
So either way, sometimes, you know, you can find a tool that's made for that or just repurpose something that's close enough but gets the job done. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about the um, the TSA assistance to make clear, did they meet you at the door of the airport or did you actually have to find your way to security first? You actually have to find your way to security. Um, okay. They don't meet you at, at the um, at the door, unfortunately. So the assistance begins from the security point uh, and to get you through that. Okay. All right. So that's good to know that this is for, you still have to find your way to security, which means right. that, um, again, the IRA thing might be helpful or if you can find an employee or somebody to at least get you that far. Maybe even another passenger uh, who's probably going that way and doesn't mind you tagging along with them. I've found some of these passengers are some of the most helpful people in in the airport. <laughs> so uh, don't be afraid to, to ask other passengers as well. Something else I wanted to mention since you jogged my memory, there are programs like TSA PreCheck, which are very nice programs because you mentioned having to go to security and take things off and uh, shoes and all that. Uh, when you have TSA pre, it means that you have submitted yourself for further vetting. They'll run a background check, run your fingerprints, and, and do some things. But once you're cleared for that, it's uh, it's a program you pay for. I think it's like $85, and I think it's for like four or five years. But once you have that, uh, you get a, a issued a known travel number. And when you belong to an airline's frequent flyer program, for example, you can make that part of the information that I have on file for you. And when you do that, when you print out a boarding pass, it'll automatically be printed with the TSA pre emblem, which lets the TSA know or somebody helping you to get the TSA know that that's the line that they want to put you in because that line will get you through a little faster and it'll mean that for example if you have laptops you don't necessarily have to take them out of the bag if you have shoes on you don't always have to take them off even i've even seen where like i they don't make me take a jacket off when i travel in the winter if i'm wearing a belt they don't make me take it off so they're a little more relaxed so if you travel frequently enough it may be worth the while to look into TSA pre there. There's other versions too for international travel, like global entry and things that are called clear or something like that. So you might want to look into those programs if you travel frequently enough. So, um, and thank you. This is Nancy. Okay. I have one more thing, if you don't yeah, mind. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to, to also mention when, uh, just another uh, little tip that I have for traveling. Um, if you're a guide dog user, I think one of the, the good things to do is you know exactly how, uh, how it works, uh, with, with your guide dog and getting through the secure, the, the metal detector. So, um, sometimes if you, let's say that you happen not to get the TSA uh, assistance and you're just working with, you know, a regular agent. Um, well, one of the things that I've noticed that has worked for us is to tell them how you've done it in the past. Uh, like, for example, uh, Johnny will say, um, usually I go through the metal detector first, then, uh, you know, I make a long leash, my dog sits, I let her uh, stay behind, then I call her, she goes through and you pat her. So um, I guess what I'm getting with that is that it seems that when you tell them how it's worked in the past, 
they seem to be very comfortable with that. And they seem to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that helps them uh, to get you through this uh, process much quicker than if you just uh, stand there and, and like you don't know what you're doing or for them to try to figure it out. So I think taking charge in that situation and explaining how, of course, politely explaining how it's worked for you in the past, that makes the process much smoother. I just wanted to kind of share that. So thank you. Yeah, that's definitely a good advice. And, and I agree. It, it, it's helpful to be prepared. It's helpful to know the procedures that have worked. And it's helpful to be assertive yet pleasant when explaining this to them, because more often than not, when you're dealing with somebody who's who hasn't encountered that situation as much, they're probably just as nervous because they they're afraid of doing something wrong or, or, or causing you to be offended or, or to be uncomfortable. So when you can approach them in that way you described, I think uh, that that goes a long way toward making the experience a lot smoother. So definitely. And thanks for, for filling in those blanks and, and giving that valuable uh, insight. Does anybody else have any comments, Andy? questions? Go Andy. ahead, Andy. Yeah, go ahead. Andy. Uh, yeah. It's been a while since I traveled, but I understand that uh, at LAX, they made it harder for people to link up with a, like an Uber or a Lyft or whatnot. I, you know, the last time I traveled, the, those vehicles could come up to the terminal. And apparently now I understand that they can't anymore, that they have to wait and you have to make your way to a certain designated area where they're, where they wait. Yeah. Um, because of the advent of so many of these rideshare services, it started to, and especially in an airport like LAX that is now just being brought into the 21st century, uh, it was causing a lot of bottlenecks in traffic. So one of the things they decided to, to try was to, to set up a separate parking lot where you could meet these. So now it, yeah, it involves taking a shuttle to this parking lot. And frankly, I, I have not used Uber or Lyft in that way uh, since, so I, I personally can't speak to how it works. I know in the beginning it was a is a big nightmare. Of course, of course, that's what the news loves to show you, is all the people <laughs> being fumed and angry about it. So it, it may have gotten better. I, I suspect that with the reduction in the amount of people traveling, that maybe it's it's helped a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you, you want to familiarize yourself ahead of time as much as possible with the airport's procedures and what their policies are on, on ride shares or, or transportation. If you're going to get picked up, if you've never, especially if it's an airport that you haven't been to or, or haven't uh, have been to before or, or been to recently. So good idea to, to make some phone calls ahead of time and find out what you're in for. Well, what is the best way that you have found to go to and from the airport? Um, believe it or not, uh, the flyaway bus is a really nice way to get in and out of there. Uh, I've used access to get in and out of there because the access vehicles are still allowed to actually come to the lower level there where you used to wait for cabs and stuff. So, uh, they're still allowed. They actually have an access stand. Every terminal has an access stand and it's a big sign from what I'm told. And if you're getting assistance from an employee, just tell them to look for the access stand. And that's where you would wait for your access, right? So I think at this point, yeah, public transportation is, is probably your better bet. Another strategy that you can try, I've done this once 
and it actually worked, but you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit of a hack, but you can also sometimes jump on one of those rent a car shuttles that come through there all the time and have them take you to wherever they, they drop people off to rent a car. Well, over there, then you can request your Uber or, or Lyft and two benefits can come from that. Number one, uh, it's a lot easier because you're not dealing with that sea of people in a parking lot all doing the same thing. So it, it's probably easier to find your vehicle that way. And uh, sometimes you can also get it for a little bit less in price because uh, when they're not picking you up in the airport property, guess what? They're not having to pay the airport fees either. So those are those are some of the hacks that uh, I've heard of and tried. Anyone else? Oh, you're welcome. Anyone else? Questions, comments about travel? Any little hacks or things that you have found uh, uh, to be helpful? It's a good time to share it with the group. Wow. <laughs> okay. Crickets. So let's see. Um Anybody thinking about traveling, but maybe still has some hesitation? Uh, Want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, this is Nancy. Yeah, go ahead, Nancy. Um, so I, I, I'm not pl planning to travel this year, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to also mention about Uber and Lyft is, um, and you sort of mentioned it, but some airports already, like they have a designated area, like, um, for example, the Burbank airport here, it has, um, a, it's not like, it's not in front of the airport. I think, um, I forget if you can get dropped off in front of the airport. No, I, I don't think you can. Um, let me scratch that. So, um, you can get dropped off if you're using Lyft or Uber um, at this designated area. It's like a, an island uh, that's across from one of the term terminals. And uh, also you can, you know, you can get picked up in that area. And a lot of times when you are getting, say, for example, you have a, an airport employee assisting you to say to get to your uh, the transportation that you're going to be using, they can take you to that designated area as well. So I just wanted to, at least for Burbank, that's how it is. I haven't uh, gone to LAX uh, much, so I can't really speak for that, but I'm sure that they might have an area as well. So j just to clarify, make sure I heard you correct. Yeah. Um, for drop-off, they're, they're not letting you, they're not dropping you off at the terminal. They're dropping you off at a designated place as well. Yeah. Um, yes. It, they have to, they drop you off at the designate, at the Uber and Lyft, um, area. Okay. Well, that, that's good to know. Cause that's, that's yes. the only, that's the first I've heard of that. Usually when it comes to taking ride shares to the airport, they're allowed to drop off usually in the, at the departures area. Like at LAX, that's upstairs level. And as far as I right. know, they're a lot, they're a lot to drop you off there at your terminal. Oh. They just can't pick you up there. So yeah, because the last time that um, we didn't take um, Uber or Lyft, but that's what one of the employees told us here at the Burbank. So I don't know if that has changed since then, because it's been about a year. But uh, yeah, that's what he said to us. 
unless he was wrong too. <laughs> well, no, and, and it's possible it could have been a temporary thing. Who knows? So mm -hmm. I would say again, it uh, it pays to maybe give the airport a call ahead of time. Then, if that's how you're planning yeah. to go, it and pays that is to true ask because that they're always in, like doing construction and stuff, and so they usually change things. So. Right. So yeah. thank you thank for you. that. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's helpful to know. And again, just a reminder: call ahead of time. And, um, and, uh, find out what, what, uh, what you're going into. <laughs> Cause yeah, it can be tricky sometimes. So, all right. Anybody else with any, uh, questions about the things we shared here or travel tip or hack that they have found or who maybe wants to talk about, uh, that they want to travel, but they're a little concerned about some things. So maybe they might want to you know, put it out here in terms of what, uh, what information we can get you. Uh, that's all welcome as well. Cause it's all about, you know, getting out there and, uh, jumping back into life and travel is certainly a part of it, especially with the coming holidays. Uh, there's also a lot of good deals to be had. Maybe we can talk about that as well. That, uh, oftentimes if you look around, um, especially airlines like Southwest. Uh, I know we've been hearing a lot of stuff about them in the news lately, but, uh, they, they have some good deals. And, um, especially during times like these where people are still kind of a little hesitant about travel, this is when they're going to offer you their best deals because they, they want to get people back on those planes and, and back in the, uh, in the flow of, of travel. So, you know, you might, uh, one, things you can do to, uh, get better deals is be flexible about your dates of travel. Uh, if, if you can, it really helps. I, I found, for example, that, uh, a lot of times, uh, for some reason on Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday seems to be a, a good day to find low fares. Uh, Wednesdays and sometimes Thursday too, but for some reason, Tuesday tends to have a lot of low fares and weekends in general tend to be a little more expensive. But at times, I've been surprised to find some cheap deals as well. So different airlines have different ways. Southwest Airlines does this really neat thing. It's called the Low Fare Finder. And what I do is I, I go to that page on the Internet, and then I bookmark certain ones for certain routes that I regularly travel, like from here to Florida, for example. So uh, you can put that in there and bookmark that page and uh, – I usually bookmark it. I, I, you can set the dates of travel. So I usually set it for the last month that they have available to, uh, to, uh, to, to book something. So for example, if it's six months out, I'll, I'll set the calendar on that page to six months away from the date that I'm setting it up. So that way I don't have to keep going there and changing it. And then whenever I bring up that page, I can go in there and change the month that it's showing me and make it the month that I really want to look at. So what's neat about that page is that you can look th through every day of a calendar month and it'll tell you what the lowest fare available on that day is. And then of course you have to open it and see what the flight is that is attached to that fare. But it's kind of a quick, a way to get a quick glance at the uh, deals. So if you know you're going to travel in the next two months or so, uh, you might start looking at that page and seeing what's, uh, what, what are the best days, which days are showing the lowest fares. Maybe book something. What's neat about airlines like Southwest is they don't charge a change fee. So even if you book something far out in advance, you can always change it later. 
and they'll give you credit. You know, they'll, 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 they'll give you credit toward another flight. So you can either change it for another date. And if, if there's a difference in price, you'll, you may have to pay a difference in price, but they don't charge a change fee. And also sometimes the airlines will change things on you. Uh, I've had this happen to me now several times during recent travels where they change one of my flights. And I may not like the dates and times that they chose for me. So when they do that, you actually have the right to use their app or call them and change it to something of your choosing that's better for you. And as long as it's within 14 days in either direction of the date that you were originally scheduled to travel, you can change that flight for free. So case in point, uh, I had a flight booked for, uh, the, I think like the 3rd of November. And I did that because Southwest a few months ago had a sale 50% off in honor of their birthday or something like that. Well, it turns out I, I really wanted to travel a little bit later than that, but I booked it because I figured, you know what, for 80 bucks, I'm not going to turn on a trip to Florida for 80 bucks. So I took it and I bought it with points. So it cost me even less, but then they go and they change my flight. Well, now I was able to make it for the day that I really wanted to go. And I got to do that free of charge. So it pays to get to know the website or the app of your favorite airlines and look at them periodically. And even if you've booked something, keep going back periodically and looking at that flight, looking at that date and time because sales and Southwest in particular announces their sales every Tuesday. So every Tuesday they come out with new low fares. So even if you booked something, and you thought you got it pretty cheap, keep looking periodically, especially on Tuesday or Wednesdays of, of the week, because you may find that all of a sudden the cost of your flight went down. And what Southwest will do is they will credit you the difference in in a credit. They won't give you money, but you have a flight credit now that you could use toward a future flight. So I, I've benefited from that many a time because uh, sometimes I've, I'll book stuff far out in advance because I know I have to go on that date. But if I can get it for less, why not? <laughs> it's not going to cost me anything extra to do it. So definitely get to know your uh, favorite airlines website or apps. A lot of them are fairly accessible and um, they're not that hard to learn to use. And especially nowadays when whole times get to be so much on the phone, uh, sometimes that's the best way you have of getting in there and messing around with your flights or looking for stuff. So any questions about that or anything else that we talked about? or any tips or tricks that anybody might have about finding deals. Uh, not a question, but a, I think a tip, but this is more for like, it's, well, this is Jamie. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, Jamie. It's good for also for domestic, but I find that it works best for international. It's an app that's called Hopper. H O P P E R, as in bunny, you hop, hopper. Uh, they, they, it, it, it almost works like the Southwest, where when sometimes they will give you, when you sign up for that, when you have the app downloaded on your phone, and when you also sign up for their stuff, that they give you notifications for different, like if the price, of your flight or your selected flight changes, you know, they will say it went up. Would you want us to find another deal? Or if it went down, you might want to grab it. They, they do things like that periodically. So 
you might want to like, or, or sometimes they would choose different, they would suggest different routes and stuff like that. They, they would do things like that. So that's another, that's another, um, app that I found that was helpful. It's called Hopper. So I don't know. You guys might want to check that. All right, so I'm going to guess they've got good deals around Easter time. <laughs> Hopper. All right. Robert. Good time. Okay, Robert, go ahead. Hey, um, so another thing that people might want to check out if you're just getting back into traveling, um, and you know you're going to be traveling by uh, or through airports uh, quite a bit in the next, say, four or five years, is the pre-check from TSA. Um, I love that feature and what that means is that if people especially are not fond of having to take their shoes off um these days with covid and stuff um going through airport uh tsa security points you if you're signed up for the pre-check you go through a separate line and you don't have to take your shoes off or your belt off um you don't have to take anything out of your backpack if you're putting a bag through you know, the laptop or any of that stuff, it just goes right through. You walk through um, and grab your stuff and keep on going. So there is a fee for it, though. Um, last, when we signed up for it last, it was $80 a person, but that's for five years. Um, and then you just renew it. So you go to tsa.gov and you'll find it there. All right. So, yeah, what I was saying is that, yeah, we uh, we uh, we did cover that earlier pre-check. Uh, it is a wonderful service. I, I've had it now for uh, several years. In fact, I'm on my second renewal of it already. And it is awesome. It's, uh, yeah, 85 bucks for five years. So I think, what is that, like 15 bucks or so a year? It, it's it's not that much when you think about what you're getting. Uh, the airlines actually used to occasionally... Uh, give it to people at random as well. And I noticed ever since COVID, they stopped doing that. So um, the only way to really get it now for sure is to sign up for it. Um, it is, it is, in my opinion, well worth the price. Any other questions, comments? This Travel is Nancy. Hats? Go ahead, Nancy. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, I, I was a huge user of the app hopper um but and i don't know if they have fixed this problem but the last time that i tried to use it for some reason uh when choosing the uh the, the flights um you know once you get past the the dates and and picking your dates and airport that you want to fly from and to um i had this issue where voiceover no longer read the um the list of flights that you were displayed. So I'm hoping that they are, uh, they either fix that issue or, uh, somehow they're working on a fix because I used to love using that app and I got a, quite a few deals, uh, when traveling to Virginia. Um, but, I, um, so I definitely hope that they fix it if they haven't already. Um, another app that I have used, and this is good for hotels, hotel deals as well is um, the Expedia app. You can use their website as well. So um, um, I haven't used the website, to be quite honest. So I don't know how accessible it is, but I found the app to be very accessible. And one more tip uh, that I recently discovered that um, Google has this uh, flight uh, tracker 
thing that you can set, again, similar to Expedia and Hopper. It's very accessible on the computer where you can set, you know, the different dates and, and times that you're planning to fly. And you can actually get these notifications sent to your email. So, for example, if you have set uh, to travel to, let's say, New York um, around, you know, at a certain date in December, and you set those notifications on, uh, you will be, you will be getting emails about it, and it will tell you your flight uh, that you've been tracking to New York uh, is a dip at this price. And if the price either goes up or goes down, um, you'll get a notification in your email as well. So that was pretty useful. Um, I, I found it to be so. Um, that's it. Thank you. Oh yeah, you're welcome, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the, uh, the fare alerts, it's a good thing to uh, sign up for if you travel certain routes regularly and you want to know when the uh, when the deals are showing up. And sometimes, yeah, they, they could really be very dynamic, meaning that they're there one minute and gone the next. So you have to be prepared to jump on those when you see them. With regard to the inaccessibility of that app, yeah, I would say for sure to contact the developer and make them aware of it and try to start a dialogue with them and see if that can get fixed that way. And if nothing else, you know, going in and giving them uh, one or two star reviews also gets their attention. So uh, that that's if they don't respond, you know, favorably or in a timely manner or, you know, address the concern. There's always that because that sometimes gets their attention uh, more than other things. So don't forget about that, uh, weapon that we all have. <laughs> you know, we can use the power of social media to our advantage and reviews are one way going and talking about them in social media is another way. But I also say use that responsibly, you know, exhaust all your other avenues first before you go that route, you know, give them a chance to respond and, and hopefully, and, and I think in, in most cases, the developer wants to make their app accessible. They want to do the right thing. It's just that sometimes operating systems change or their, uh, their look, the, you know, the, we live in a world now where something can't look the same, uh, for, for more than five minutes where people get bored. So, you know, they're always having to change stuff for the sake of changes to, Please, people with short attention spans. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, any other comments, questions, suggestions, travel hack, tip, trick, uh, anything like that? So so how about travel itself? Is, is anybody uh, planning on traveling for the holidays? I know we're planning on traveling. We're going to be going to Florida in November and uh, spending some time there. So that's uh, that's our plan, and it's going to be fun doing Thanksgiving and other things down there. So what about anybody else? Any travel plans for anybody? Tom Lang. Oh, hey, Tom. Go ahead. Hey. Yeah, I'm uh, going to travel to North Carolina shortly before Christmas and come back shortly after. Going uh, American. Uh, that's uh, usually worked for me fairly well, so stuck with it this time around. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. So so have you traveled at all? Is this going to be your first time traveling in a while? This is uh, first travel post-COVID. Uh, oh. You know, so 
Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. The last time I actually flew back there, I think, was about three years ago. So looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, tra- traveling is so much fun. It, it really is. I know it has its hassles and it can be a bit of a headache at times, but you know what? This is nothing like it. You know, you, you, you go and you get on a plane and a few hours later, you're in some other part of the country, a uh, whole different atmosphere, seeing people you haven't, especially in this case where, you know, if you haven't traveled since all this COVID stuff, it's people you haven't seen for a while. Boy, is it going to be nice to see them. I know, I know how good it was when I could see my parents the first time I went to see them, you know, after all this craziness started. It felt really good. Oh, yeah. Last uh, last Christmas, you know, I could have traveled, but, you know, we talked about it and said, hey, you know, things are just too iffy. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, being alone at uh, the holidays is not a, a whole lot of fun. It's so. no fun. I agree. And I think this is why, you know, I'm, part of the reason I wanted to do this topic is I, I want to see if we could inspire people to feel better and confident about getting out there and travel. I know it's been a crazy time, but travel really does uh, bring us closer to people and it exposes us to different things in life. And we need to get back to that. Oh, definitely. No, no doubt about it. Uh, what was the name of that pouch again? Um, so the, the the pouch that I have, I don't I don't even recall its name. It's it's a pouch that I bought through uh, Marquez Products. I'm sure you know them. Oh yeah. So yeah. you might check with them. They uh, since you're local, check with them and see if they have uh, a pouch. You know that that's meant to be used for you know carrying or displaying a pass or something like that but you can easily slide a phone into. Um, the other one that I know of, I think it's, is it the Harbold company? Uh, I forget what it is. It's something like that. I don't know their spelling, but I believe they make something similar. It's made of rubber and you wear it around your neck and your phone slides into it. It, you know, grips your phone pretty well. And it's specifically for this purpose to be used for, uh, uh, using your phone with Ira or Be My Eyes or something like that, where you want somebody to to have a view of what's in front of you without you having to have the phone in your hand. Right. So well, I can think of all kinds of applications for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that that's what you do is you know you can you can find something that's made for that purpose, or you know you you could try AT guys or any of those vendors or you know Blind My Smart they probably sell stuff nowadays that not now that Ira is widely used this way, uh, there's the the people it's not going to seem so unfamiliar when you say it to a vendor when you say hey I want to use my phone with Ira and I want a pouch to put it in more than likely that they're going to know what you're talking about in the early days when I was still testing this concept for Ira uh there was nothing out there so I I I grabbed this pouch and I modified it and made it work for this purpose actually before then I I had a uh, a thing for a lanyard that I got at a convention and I used that first and then I eventually found the pouch ah okay good so yeah, this, uh, in fact, you could probably look if you got old uh, badges from CSUN or something like that. <laughs> One of those might just work fine. Actually, you know that it's uh, I keep my vaccine card in there. There you go. <laughs> so uh, well, there you go, and now you can download it electronically to your phone. So now you can have the vaccine card in there twice, plus your IRA tool. Yep, sounds good. 
All right. Thanks for sharing that, Tom. Oh, sure. Any, anybody else? Matthew. Kind of traveling? Matthew, go ahead. Yeah, I just had a question uh, for the group. I'm not sure. Uh, I know there's some, uh, like, blind travel organizations that are like a tour group or, you know, setting up tours, especially for uh, for blind travelers. If anyone's ever done any of that and had any experience at all. Uh, I, I know somebody who knows somebody, and <laughs> she's, she's probably going to unmute herself here momentarily. Yeah. I Go ahead, Jamie. Am. It's Jamie. Uh, I I have not, uh, because I have not traveled internationally for a while, I have not used them personally, but I had friends who actually uh, um, booked their travel to this this one called Travel Ice. T-R-A-V-E-L-E-Y-E-S. Basically, what Travelize does is you, you book, um, you, you know, it, they're, they're a travel agency, but they specifically deal with people, you know, with people with blindness, uh, blindness or a visual impairment. What they do is they, they, they book you on a holiday, what they call holiday, different holiday tours. Holidays meaning like they have different plans or promos and stuff like that. They go for holiday holiday tours. It's not necessarily a holiday, but that's what they call it. Sometimes yeah. they go to like Cape Town, South Africa, or they do they do a lot of different uh travel adventures and they book you book with them, but the the, the idea is that they will partner you with a sighted person. They do they do that all for you once you set up a travel with them. Oh, and so they- I believe that yeah, I believe that what happens and on with that is if a person let's say you and uh, Carrie go right. and Carrie likes to sign up as a sighted uh partner. Right. So what happens is between you and Carrie when you set up a tour like that, Carrie would be discounted. Carrie's flight, uh, trip, the whole package will be discounted because she is a sighted partner. Ah, that is something like that. Yes. Yes. So you could go to, um, uh, you could go to, um, yeah, travel ice. Travel ice. Travel ice. Yeah. That's the name of the, the, you could, you could either Google them or I I believe it's travel ice.com. ORG. Um, I'm going to, um, I guess when I, cause I have your contact, I guess I will email it to you the info directly once I find it. Cause, uh, my friend yeah. is actually the CEO and president of that, Amar Latif. Oh, terrific. Well, thank <laughs> yes. you so much. That, that sounds like I'll find a, a lot of interesting stuff there and, uh, maybe plan a trip. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do, uh, international stuff mostly, but sometimes they also do North and North American tour. So yeah. yeah. Um, definitely if I, you know, I'll, I'll give you their contact info so you could definitely be in touch with them and subscribe and all that so that you guys can, you can even contact him directly that way. Uh, when I get you the info, I'll email them to you. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. All right. Great. Awesome. Thanks guys. Uh, this will be helpful. I'm sure to people listening as well as, as well as the people here in the group. And, and again, I suspect that, uh, we're going to see more and more of that coming online in the next year as we finally start to put this COVID stuff in the rearview mirror and uh, move on in life. 
Any other questions, comments, tips, tricks? Or thought of travel or hesitation they might have about travel? Jamie again with another not really right. travel hack. Okay, go ahead. It's more of a personal thing, but it's it's an experience that might help. I don't know how many, but I think uh, for girls especially, well, not necessarily, but it's being light <laughs> with the travel traveling light. I say, like in my experience, I when I travel, I try to travel as light as I can. Of course, my size helps, but <laughs> it's not about that. But um, when I travel, I make sure that, especially for ladies, try to choose or use purses or take purses or backpacks with you that are lightweight so that this way you can pack it with, uh, you know, light and, you know, lightweight and kind of like a flexible, kind of like a sleek design kind of um type of a backpack or purse because the reason for that is when you travel you tend to put a lot of stuff in it so when it's already heavy <laughs> and then you add more stuff to it then it gets really uncomfortable so i think that the fastest way and the most comfortable way of traveling is to also well what helps is to have or to take with you a purse that's very lightweight or in a suitcase or a carry-on bag that's also very lightweight. There's a lot of that stuff there that are lightweight, and that way you can pack them and you can travel with them with ease and also wear comfortable clothes. When I say that, I mean you might not want to travel with high heels or <laughs> boots with high heels and stuff like that because, again, you're going to run into unless you are a pre-check you know, you're, you're under, you're in a pre-check program, unless you're in that, they will let you take your shoes off anyway. They will make it take, make you take your shoes off and stuff. So, and also for walking, you could walk a lot faster, especially when you have a connecting flight or change, change plane and, and the airport is big, <laughs> then you're going to do a lot of walking. So wear comfortable shoes, wear comfortable clothing. Now I'm not saying Comfortable doesn't mean, okay, a legging that shows things, you know, just comfortable, totally comfortable. All right. Yep. Yeah. So the idea is light and comfy. <laughs> Definitely. You know, again, it, it, the more relaxed you can be, uh, the less stress, the less hassle. Uh, that all absolutely helps for sure. Uh, traveling light is a wonderful thing. I'm a big proponent of it. All this right. is Nancy. And go ahead, Nancy. Um, so I, I totally agree with Jamie on the get comfortable part. I love traveling in leggings, by the way, <laughs> but that's, I just like leggings in general. Um, but one of the things that, that Jamie reminded me of is, yeah, to, to wear shoes. If you don't have that pre-check-in from TSA, to wear shoes that are easy to take off and put back on there's nothing worse than because we know there's not always a place where you can sit down to comfortably put your shoes back on um and so there's nothing worse than to be struggling to put your shoes back on when you're just like you know trying not to be in everybody's way and things like that so uh that's one of the things that i have done for a few a few times now that i've traveled to wear slip-on shoes, sometimes, you know, flats, or, you know, we have the 
tennis shoes that are slip-ons that are very easy to take off, put go- put back on. And so it's, it makes it so much easier, uh, to, you know, to get through done with this, the security, uh, checkpoint. So I completely agree with that. Uh, and also one of the things that, um, at least for me, that works for me personally is to have one of, you know, whether it is, um, a check-in or, or, um, if you're just traveling with carry-on, one of the things that I, um, have done and that I prefer to do is to use one of those, uh, 360, um, bags that turns in every direction because I hate struggling with an own uncooperative, um, suitcase. <laughs> so if you can get your hands on one of those, uh, make, uh, you better be sure that it's going to make your life so much easier when, uh, rolling that bag. <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I have thoughts about those 360 bags because I, I agree they, they're, they're, they're nice. They turn on a dime and all that. But the only qualm I have with them is that, that, that convenience comes at an expense. And that means that's less space inside you have to put stuff. <laughs> so, uh, that is true. <laughs> I actually go with the, with the two wheel versions because I find that I can get more stuff. And again, I, I'm a fanatic about going carry on. I, I will not check a bag unless I absolutely have to. So to me, any, anything you can do to increase the amount of storage space in your bag is a wonderful thing. So it's, uh, it's definitely a world worth considering, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and the good thing is there's both kinds of bags available. And the nice thing about that too, is I don't know, I'm sure you've probably noticed that, uh, these bags have come down in price considerably. God, I remember when the first rollerboard bags came out, those things were expensive. And now you can go to Chinatown, you can go to Ross, you can go to any of these places and get a pretty decent bag for like, $30 or less and, um, and they, when they work very nice. So, um, it, it's good variety out there and, and don't be afraid to go shop around. You don't have to just buy the name brand stuff that the, you know, that, that comes at a premium. You can buy, uh, you know, again, places like Ross Marshall's, <laughs> uh, that, that sell this stuff and it's pretty decent stuff. It, it works and you save money that way as well. Any other thoughts or questions from anyone? Robert? Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, so um, <clears throat> since I did come in late, I don't know, did anyone bring up the uh, travel with the service animal um, earlier in the meeting? Yeah, actually, Nancy uh, did talk to us about that, about strategies that her okay. and Johnny use. All right. I just, I didn't want to duplicate it if it's already been talked about, so cool. Yeah. I mean, basically just to summarize, uh, mm-hmm. the idea is to, to be familiar with the procedures mm-hmm. and don't be mm-hmm. afraid to, to tell the TSA agent, Hey, this is what I've done. This is what works. Uh, right. because more often than not that they don't know what to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, it actually <laughs> makes their job easier when you show them, Hey, I, I got this figured out. Look, this is mm-hmm. how you do it. And, and it's like a, a relief for them. Yeah. And, and uh, this yes, is Nancy really quickly. I didn't really, I, I didn't really touch. I don't know if Robert is talking about the new, uh, service animal policies. I didn't touch on that. So if that's what okay. you were going to share about, then yeah, yeah I didn't um, talk about that. Sure. Okay. Well, I can touch on that real quick. Um, <clears throat> because I have traveled twice now since 
they changed the rulings and all the different things with service animals. Um, and so basically some airlines have their own form. You can go on their websites and find it. Southwest doesn't. Um, but I think the easiest thing to do is to go to tsa.gov and, and find the link for traveling with a service animal. Um, and what I've done is I've downloaded that form onto my computer so that I have it. So all I need to do anytime I travel from this point is just go on my desktop and fill out the form. It's a fillable PDF um, <clears throat> that you'll want to print and take with you to the airport. Basically, they want to know where your dog was trained from, who trained it, uh, what, uh, how much it weighs, um, give or take, uh, when it last had its rabies shots, um, all those kinds of things. And unfortunately, it asks for your dog's name about 16 times, so they're a little bit repetitive in, in things that they ask. But um, so you just fill it out, sign it, um, take it with you. The airport, when you get to your gate, um, you'll have to show it to the ticket people. Um, and what I found is that if you don't show it to the people at the ticket counter um, at your gate, when you go to try to board, um, you know, some of them will say, oh, I, I don't need to see it. Well, they really do. Because if you try to board without them seeing it, what happens is they and they'll come back and say that your ticket says it's invalid and they're not going to let you board. So um, I've gone through both ways of dealing with that at the airport. <clears throat> so just basically, if they don't want to see it, just tell them, well, I'd like you to see it anyways. Um, and just, you know, they, they take it, they fill out the information on their computer, and then give it back to you and you're good to go. Um, and then you can board and and go to where you're going. You just need one copy for your round trip. But every time you travel round trip, you'll need a copy. So that's why I say save it on your computer. Every time you travel, fill it out, print it out, and sign it and take it with you. Oh, good stuff. And one thing I would add to that is mm -hmm. that if you have something like Dropbox, keep a store. <clears throat> Keep a, a current version of that in your Dropbox. If the worst happens and that paperwork gets lost or damaged, yeah. yes. uh, it's certainly nice to have that with you and, you know, either show it to them or go to some place mm -hmm. that does copying and printing and prints out a new one. Yeah, I'm hoping at some point, um, you know, because it's all new because they just, this just started in January. So I'm hoping at some point that they're going to come out with a way to um, save it on your, you know, phone. Uh, like you would your ticket, you would, you know, you download your ticket into the wallet app on your phone. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to do something similar to that at some point with this form. But right now, the, the best thing to do is just print it out and take it with you. So, yeah, that would be handy. And hopefully they will come up with something like that. Yeah. And if nothing else, come up with a macro where you fill out the information mm -hmm. once and then it'll put it in the 16 right. <laughs> boxes where it has to be put in. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing. Some airlines like American, you can fill it out. Um, I can fill it out today and, and it's good for the next year. So I wouldn't have to do it again, um, until, you know, through that full year. And then there's other airlines that, uh, Southwest, for instance, you need to show it every single time you travel. So, I mean, mm -hmm. there's different, um, every airline has their own way of how they want it done and 
when they want it done. Um, my, my best advice is just to do it every single time until there's a, um, you know, until there's something that all the airlines are following, um, and just, just have it with you. And I think eventually it'll get there. I mean, they're, they're really starting to take this stuff more seriously and, and they're trying to, uh, sort of standardize things so that, you know, the right people who require service animals uh, can get on and the, and those that were trying to bring turkeys and ostriches get weeded out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, very true. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for that. Uh, You're does anybody else have any Final thoughts here, questions? Uh, question, this is Tom Lang. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. <laughs> um, pre, pre-pandemic, uh, there was a lot of talk about the real ID, how you would need that if you were going to travel, uh, in, you know, anywhere in the country or internationally or what have you. Uh, and then, you know, the pandemic, you know, that all, Nobody was thinking about real ID, and I, I had heard that the deadline for having to get a real ID was extended. And I haven't heard anything about whether real ID is required uh, or if there's a deadline for that. Uh, what's the latest on that one? From what I've heard, it has been extended. I think it's through sometime next year, although I could be wrong. I don't have the exact dates. 2023. So there you go. So 2023. So they, they, they gave us a little while longer. Uh, I would say that, uh, it's, it's not a bad idea to try to get it when you can. But, um, also here's another thing. If you keep a current passport, uh, that is a form of real ID. I mean, that's the ultimate real ID in a sense. So yeah, if one. you had, okay. So uh, for anyone who, like, I, that's what I do. I, I keep my passport current. So to me, that's the document that I use when I'm boarding planes is I use the passport. I don't bother with the state ID because it's still the uh, the old-fashioned kind. When this one does expire, I will probably go ahead and during the renewal process, just go ahead and convert it to real ID. But um, in the meantime, if you have a passport, uh, you can you can use that as a real ID. So what, uh, just in, in a nutshell, what is the process for obtaining real ID? That, can it be done completely electronically or do you have to show up at a DMV somewhere and, you know, deal with that pain in the butt? I have a feeling that it's probably going to involve showing up somewhere because you have to produce additional documentation, things like birth certificates, um, a passport, if you have one also will, will help out a lot because that, that shows you've already been vetted in a sense. So I think it does involve going in there somewhere, but you know, so book the appointment ahead of time and, um, you know, do it at your convenience because at least for now, it doesn't seem like there's a looming deadline. Robert. Go ahead, Robert. So, Joy already has hers, and I've been in the process of getting mine because I'm missing a few documents. But um, there are things you can do online initially to start the process because there's a form that you have to fill out as well as um, uh, show several different pieces of documents. So the form itself you can do online at um, socialsecurity.gov, I believe it is. but you will eventually at some point have to go 
um, to a social security office and provide all of the documents that they that they want. DMV. Or I'm sorry, DMV. You're right. I was going to say uh, that so. sounds like yeah, an interesting say, direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, okay. So <laughs> it's so it's it's I the DMV saying, yeah, website, but, not social yeah, security. Um, but, okay. But. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to provide, and they have a, a list on their website, Tom, that you can go to, and it'll tell you all the things you need. Um, so, you know, the um, birth certificate um, or passport, um, There and there's a bunch of other things. So it's like a, a huge list of things. So um, now suppose but, you does say just suppose, you know, during moves and things like that, uh, whatever, you – may not have a copy of your birth, you may not have your birth certificate. What do you do in that instance? You're going to have to get it. Yeah, you'll probably yeah. have to go to the uh, county or the hospital mm-hmm. or something like that and try to yeah. get a copy of it. So that was one of the th- reasons why I haven't finished getting mine yet is because there were some documents I didn't have. Um, and so, for instance, I don't have my... Um, original social security card at the moment. I have to get that. Um, but so if you don't have, if you show up and you say, here's all my stuff, I want to get the real ID card, they're going to look at it and they're going to go, oh, you don't have um, birth certificate uh, or you don't have social security card. Sorry, we can't help you today. So, um, so yeah, you want to go through that list to make sure you have everything they want before you go down there. Very good. All righty. Sounds good. So, yeah, I, I would say uh, to summarize that one, uh, it's probably not a bad idea if you don't have a passport to start making uh, steps toward getting that real ID. And the headline, the, the deadline may not be looming, but time does have a way of flying by past uh, you and in, in, at speeds that you can't imagine. So I would say that uh, even if you're not planning on traveling anytime soon, uh, it's not a bad idea. Go in there and at least start uh, asking the questions, start getting the documents ready, and start getting it. Because, yeah, eventually it is going to be required to fly on an airline that you're going to have to have uh, a real ID, some form of it, be it from your state or be it uh, as, a, as a passport. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, tip, trip, travel hack, concern? All right. Well, hearing none, then uh, I guess this will wrap it up for our fall meeting of BBB, Breaking Blindness Barriers. Um, thank you all for coming and for being part, for participating. I want to thank the folks at Airs LA for uh, taking this and making it available as a podcast to their listeners and anybody else who could benefit from it. Again, my name is Julian Vargas. My website is www.techjv.com. And you can contact me there if you have any uh, questions, comments, or concerns. And uh, Airs LA's website is www.airsla.org, A-I-R-S-L-A.org. And uh, thank you for being part of our group. And remember, keep on breaking those blindness barriers.